I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. It's that time of the week again. The Rugby League rant, fifth and last. Put on your headgear, chuck in your mouth guard and get ready for an hour of nothing but NRL tour. Back for another week of the Fifth and Last NRL Podcast. Get us on Facebook at the Fifth and Last NRL Podcast and at Twitter. The handle is at Fifth and Last. That's the letter N, not the word N. And remember, for everybody out there, plenty of people use iTunes. Get on there, rate, review us, help us out, jump on board there. Um, and also, as I've plugged a few times now on Spotify, had some people hit us up about that box head. We are now on Spotify, also still on Audio Boom and still looking at other platforms to get on because I still get a message every now and then uh, about people on Androids or other phones and different ways to listen. So always trying to open up and uh, find new avenues to go. But Boxhead, uh, round two, back into the football, starting to feel a bit more normal again in uh, the real world and life in general. Yeah, round two in the resumption. Uh, yeah, I guess it's starting to feel a little bit more normal. Everyone, I think everyone's a little bit apprehensive. Um in society, that is, but uh, no, it's good to have the footy back. I, I do think we saw a slight shift back to towards how the game was prior to the rule changes on the weekend. Uh, so I'd pro- probably give the first week uh, the points to the referees, the second week probably to the coaches and the players. So it'll be interesting to see whether there is any slight adjustment. It may also have been the different teams that matched up against each other as well. Like I thought just some of the games were significantly slower than others. So uh, it's just something, yeah, to keep, keep an eye on. Yep. And to that point, jumping into our set of six, for anyone joining us for the first time, welcome. And for anyone who's been on board before, as you know, set of six, six questions, topics, opinions, any points that we want to discuss from the weekend. And the first one uh, was exactly what you just brought up. It's week two. Last week we talked about you know, our thoughts on the one referee, the six-again rule, games in general. The one-week sample size was pretty good. Uh, I think week two, I, I tend to agree with you. If there's one thing I took out of it, things tended to go a little bit back towards being a little bit slower. I saw some teams staring at the referee, trying to push it in the ruck a little bit more. Uh, I, I thought a couple of the refs didn't really utilise the six-again call, whereas then I thought others uh, did utilise it more, uh, especially, I think, the start... Of the games, it's very important to get that message across still while we're in the infant stages. And probably the one person I thought really got it right, even though it didn't end up benefiting to them, was uh, Henry Perinara in the Dragons game. The Bulldogs, to me, were just hanging on and desperate the first 10, 15 when they were rolling through the middle. And he was calling them back-to-back tackles regardless of what was happening, just letting them know that they weren't going to get away with it. But uh, I thought that was a little bit inconsistent over the weekend. Um I agree with yeah, you. I totally agree. I, I think the numbers of six again penalties is was down. So 
definitely some slower games <laughs> uh, I thought particularly I thought Melbourne South was pretty slow I thought the Panthers Warriors game whether that just be again like you said more the matchup or the quality of the teams or, or the other thing I kind of thought as well to take into account I know we should say that everyone should still be up and excited I think last week there was a lot of emotion a lot of excitement a lot of relief maybe a bit of a, a lull now that they're back into routine I know it's only been one week but they still are going through extra steps and precautions and temperature tests and some teams like the Raiders, etc., are travelling more than others. Maybe there was a little bit of a flatten out this week, just emotionally, now that we're back as well. Yeah, yeah, and I think you're going to see that in different patches throughout the year as well. I'm still uh, supportive. Like with the, all the protocols and their, their travel and all that sort of stuff, like it's, not a, it's certainly not going to be an excuse because you know, I guess all teams are under the same restrictions and protocols. Some are going to have to travel more than others but uh, yeah it'll be interesting to see who it benefits as the season wears on yeah and hopefully like I said when we kind of previewed this that the restrictions are going the right way things are getting loosened hopefully the NRL gets to go back to a more normal circumstance soon for especially those teams like the Raiders etc that are travelling and uh, they can get back to a bit more normality in their own stadiums but overall two weeks the sample size uh, yeah I thought a little bit more inconsistent this weekend but the habit will build in the referees will get better. I definitely think there were some slower games. Uh, some people still are a bit confused about the six again rule. I, I messaged a few people today. To clarify it simply is what we said before. Only for ruck infringements do they call six again. If it's an offside, head high, uh, you know, stripping a ball illegally or things that stop play, it's a penalty. People are asking why there was penalties for six agains. Well, if there's multiple six agains, they can give them a penalty due to benefit of the doubt if they're in the attacking end, say, or if they want to put someone in the bin or give them a warning. So that that side, after multiple infringements, is to the discretion of the referee. But, yeah, pretty much straight up and down. The six again is only for ruck infringements. Yeah, ruck infringements that allow the play to continue. Yeah, and I completely agree with the sentiment. I understand if someone messaged again about a grand final, this, that, and the other, and wanting to kick a goal, I get it, but... You'd think that a referee would have the discretion to know that if a team's purposely giving away penalties in a game, given the way the rules applied now, that they would probably give the opportunity for a penalty kick in an attacking opportunity with a few minutes left. Um, that Again, that'll be adapted over time. I have no problem, again, this weekend with the one referee. I thought it was good. Uh, and just like people crying out for certain things last week after one week of games, you've got to give it some time. So... There was a few inboxes and bits and pieces and reactions. It's still way too early to be going off. As we said before, give it four, six weeks for things to settle in. Yeah, that's right. And I, I guess the biggest point to move on to next, I didn't have it there, but I'll piece them together. Probably the big one to come out of the weekend, uh, the forward pass, the eels Manly game. A lot of people blowing up about that. First of all, one of the points that was mailed, uh, made, and this is tackle two, beg my pardon, you know, two referees would have fixed that, uh, this, that, and the other. He wouldn't have because it was called by a touch judge. Uh, he took the on-field ref took the call there live. You it's know, always a touch judge call. Yeah, the pass in that scenario is always a touch judge call. The other thing, live. You know, I reckon there'd still be some people that would argue live in fast motion at that point that it was forward. Some would people would have called it differently at the moment. Did it cost them the game? Yep, they own that. Great managers they own that. They all own that. Should they? Am I giving them... Uh, uh, it, cost, it cost them an opportunity in the last minute to win the game 
But they had 79 other minutes to win the game. There are other dubious calls that, you know, you could interpret the win against Parramatta. I, I don't buy that. I, I, don't, I don't buy that it costs them the game. Um, but, you know, I, I guess Manly fans and yeah. as I sort of said post-match that they won the game or they felt like they won the game. Or, I, I put it in the sense 70, of... 79 minutes and 40 seconds to win the game. Yeah, I'd agree with you. Didn't manage to do it. So... And look, it, it was hardly a howler. Like, I don't think it was a howler. No, it's a 50 50 call. Clearly came backwards out of the hands. Yeah. Uh, but the ball went forward. So, you know, you can understand why the touch judge, particularly if you had his view impeded at all by, uh, you know, an Eels player, sorry, a, ma- a manly player, or he just wasn't looking at the hands when the ball was released. Mm. And, you know, they, they've got to be looking at. Um, a lot of different things. They're not always going to have their eyes on the exact position that they need to. So, look, in the end, if, if they feel, if the NRL feels though they've got technology there that can help in assisting to make these decisions in terms of forward passes, you know, I'm happy for them to trial it and give it a go. But we've seen this all before. It, what happens is referees just send the, send the tries up and say, you know, check check it all and look for forward passes, look for reasons to disallow tries. Yeah. Um, was that was that one that Manly could have challenged? I don't think it is, is it? You can't no. challenge forward passes? Can't yeah. challenge maybe, it. Maybe, maybe that's something we look at. Maybe maybe that's an instance where, you know, to solve that issue, we, we can say, look, you can challenge one forward pass. Well, the problem, again, you only get that one challenge, which I don't understand. I think you should get a challenge yeah, I don't at understand. half. Teams are just blowing it anyway. Yeah, that's that's what point. the challenge is there for. The challenge is there to prevent an issue like that. Hmm. I, th- I still think they got that rule wrong in the way it was. I'm pretty sure, and I may be wrong, I thought in when we were playing it and used it in the 20s that it was one per half. And generally, people only used it when they got it right. Now it seems to be a dumb front row or someone makes an error or thinks they've had the ball stripped. I, I, I think it should be for the howler. If you, if you absolutely know that it's the wrong court, yeah, you throw it in. Of course you're going to challenge it and then you keep it. But if you're just going to throw them away, like some teams are, just for the sake of challenging, then bad luck. If you get to the end of the game and you get nabbed like that, then bad luck. Hmm. You shouldn't have wasted your challenge earlier in the game. I'm with you. I wouldn't have an issue if they came out and said that players can challenge forward passes. Hmm. I think the only thing a lot of people are bringing up, regardless of whether they're bad for 79 minutes or for the most part of the game, Parramatta were better if it's a finals game or something else, obviously it cost them the game. Uh, it's not that time of year. I agree with you, but my big thing is with all these changes that have been made, I know they took out video review of the forward pass, but in a situation like that where we can look at it, I think we should be able to look at it. So with all the other changes we've made this year, why not bring back the fact that you can look at forward passes and adjudicate them in try calls? So if a situation like that does arise, if they do play through and he scores and then they go up and look at it, uh, they make a judgment on it. But live still... If they call a forward pass and you, they pull the play up before then and they're all blowing up and they don't go through and finish the move off, well, then how are you supposed to look at it? I, I guess that's the only grey area I'd have with reviewing forward passes. So I just think in this season in particular, we've made so many changes for the good uh, and trying to make it for the good of the game. Uh, why not try it out now? It, it was got rid of, I, I can't remember, I think maybe 99, 2000. It might have been changed. Yeah, I don't know the last time. But I can I can remember it as in I can I can remember what the trends were and that it didn't really work. But 
for a year? Oh, no, I don't know. No. Nah, so I think, again, with everything we're going through, if there was ever a time again to make a change on that or give it a run. And then again, you're going to have people arguing about, well, did it come backwards out of the hands? Did it, you know, float forward? All that, all those sort of arguments are yeah. going to open up. So I, I don't think they should be able to rule on them is in video referees' decisions. But I do believe that the players in that captain's challenge should be able to challenge whether it was forward pass or not. Because yeah. essentially then, you're only really reviewing potentially two passes a game. Uh, more than two if they get two two right. Mm. I think, and realistically, you want to you want to get them right. That that's the reason the challenge is there. So, uh, but then I guess you got to have reliable technology to um, determine decisions. But yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, we called for less video. We called for human error. Let it happen. We'll deal with it. And at the first moment of adversity, everyone's blown up again. So, like we've always said. There's something. Yeah, certainly not blowing up. I, I no. thought I thought Manly had ample chance to win the game. I think Parramatta have got to take some responsibility for how the game ended as well because they just stopped playing after Moses kicked that field goal. So that they allowed Manly back into it and almost got burnt. Mm. Uh, if Manly scored at the end there, I would have thought, well, that's just classic Parramatta, isn't it? So they, they've they've dodged a bullet. Parramatta, Manly have copped a, a 50-50 that's gone against them, but. I'm sure they'll get a 50-50 at some stage during the year that will go with them. Some years you get more of them than others, but that's just life. Yeah, and I think, again, live, I spoke to two today that I work with, one's a Manly fan, one's a Para fan, said to both of them, a, a touch judge live, I'm sure different touches would have had different calls. Like we always... if, you surveyed, if you surveyed 100 people through the touch judge's eyes, there's no way they would add 100 out of 100. No, that's my whole point. So we wanted to go back to less review, human error, make the touches do a job. He made a call. After the fact, it's easy to say we got it wrong, but like we say, hindsight's a beautiful thing, and when you've got the video afterwards, you can make that judgment. But in the moment, he made a call. Uh, it turns can out, replay it fifteen hundred times yeah. with Hawkeye and angles and different cameras. Right. But my only thing I will Touch say, he got his own two eyes. yeah, my only thing I will say, it's carried on all the way up until today. It happened on Saturday. There's a lot more other things that came out of the round, and a lot more things I'd rather be talking about. So I'm sympathetic. Two Manly fans and Para fans, I see both sides of it, but it's been going for four days now. And I think of all people, I was surprised how well Des handled it. Like, he mentioned it, but usually that's the sort of thing that he absolutely goes off his tree about or he's immediately on board. I actually thought he was quite measured considering because I was immediately expecting him to flip out or, you know, twist it in a certain way. He was more making comment in light of the six again rule, saying that for a second week it was very inconsistent, which, again, there's only a two-week sample size, so... That's to be expected, but surprisingly, I thought Des was quite measured in the way he reacted. Yeah, I didn't watch the press conference. I already saw snippets of where he was sort of saying that they'd won the game. And, yeah. Um, I saw his little blurb about the six again. Yeah. Well. Um, yeah, it is what it is. Yeah. Yeah, there was always going to be teething problems. They knew that. So just like the players are making more errors than usual and they're struggling to get back to... Uh, the height of their form as well. Yep. The referees are no different, and it was a 50-50, and let's just move on. Totally agree. Uh, tackle three, moving on. Dogs, Dragons, built up during the week as, you know, two coaches that are under fire, two clubs that are, you know, putting the pressure on, looking to make changes, what's wrong, etc., etc. I think we've seen exactly what we said about the Dogs. Dean Pay, they can breathe a sigh of relief, but... I think, if anything, the whole time we've said exactly this, he's getting as much as he possibly can 
out of that orange. You couldn't squeeze any more juice out of it, and we saw that with the performance there. It was plain and simple, full stop, more the point we're making, that the new board is in. They weren't the ones that put him in place, and for the sake of themselves, the recruitment, the playing group, and that moving forward, it's pretty clear cut. He's either your coach, and you're going to build with him and work with him, or he's not your coach. Like, you can't get rid of him now or sack him this year is pointless, but they need to make a decision pretty soon whether he's the man they're building this new roster with or not. So I, I think the, the Bulldogs thing was a storm in a teacup, and for all they've dealt with, players, well, salary yeah, cap... Well, it is now that they've won. Yeah, but even prior I'm to last sure week... I'm would have looked if they'd lost. Uh, yeah, but I'm more I saying... I feel as though the club's going to move on from Dean Poe. That's I, the gut feel that I've got. I agree with you, but I'm more saying what we said last week. Like, I don't think it's right. No, nah, and our opinion last week is more what I'm sticking to. Like, I just feel he may have been brought in purely to do the shit work, but for their own sake and clarity, whether they do it behind closed doors and it gets kept quiet, which we all know most things aren't kept quiet after the fact, they need to make a decision soon. Plain and simple. But I don't think you could say that they weren't trying or he's not getting as much out of that situation as he possibly can. Uh, on the flip side of that, and that's the main one we've got here, and again, our Dragons fans are some of our most parochial I work every day with a diehard Dragons fan who's not very happy right now. Uh, things didn't get any better. All the pitchforks are out again. They've called an emergency board meeting today for Mary. They've basically said as much as what we, I've kind of brought up a few times that they're not going to get rid of him. They're going to stick solid. Partly, it seems more now, the financial situation, paying him out. The COVID thing that's kind of hit, I guess, is not helping the situation and they're not looking to bleed any money. But on the flip side, like I've said before, more and more I watch. I can't defend Mary. He's been there for six, seven seasons, whatever it's been now. But the playing group, fuck me. They have to take some accountability in this. And the other issue, who do you reach for? Like, they've got a couple of injuries. They've got a couple of young guys there that have had small tastes, probably not a big enough opportunity or a dip in the water. But I don't think anyone's really throwing their hand up and demanding it. And for anyone that brings up again, Flanagan will change it or get him involved. I don't think people understand how much of a big piece he's already got. He's, he's completely in control of the defence and his assistant that he had when they won the premiership is basically in control of the attack or working with McGregor. McGregor is now more doing the Wayne Bennett type of role where he's overseeing everything they want to do. So those two guys are in place, they're doing the job. Firing him to put Dean Young in to be an interim is not the right thing with a bloke that's not experienced and it's too much. And on top of that, they're getting into dicey waters and it'll bring up the situation that if they basically did that as a way to say to Flanagan, well, you run it behind the scenes, but do this. You're playing in the situation he's already done before, which has got him in trouble. Um, and again, I... But he's there anyway. Like, essentially, he yeah, could, and he's, having, uh, he's having as big of an influence as what he would be as a head coach now anyway. Exactly. And that I'm goes... Sure, sure he's involved in, you know, 99% of the decisions that Paul McGregor makes anyway. Yes. Paul McGregor would be mad not to be consulting. 100%. And I know for a fact that they, they are taking a big consultancy in him, but... Back to the point more last week, I'm not throwing it all on one area, but I said the last week they need to take into account. More than one person is accountable for this. This is not all on the coach. This playing group at some point that's loaded with origin players, some good young talent, good halves, et cetera, need to take some fucking accountability in the way that they put themselves on the field and just say, oh, hearing bits in the media now, maybe he's overcoaching or he's trying too hard or they're too structured. Like, fuck, we all know is at the end of the day, when you're on the field as a playing group, you're in control. Uh, whether they support him, don't support him, I don't think they have a big issue with the coach, in all honesty. Like, usually you'd hear stuff or things would be leaking out. The only people that have any issues are a few young blokes who are just doing what any young bloke does because their manager 
like a Jason Saab who's leaked a few things last week and wants a release and is not happy with his playing time, etc. But this runs far deeper, as I said last week. And if at the end of the day, I do agree, there needs to be a clean out. But on all three levels, you can't but put Jason all of this. Saab really set the world on fire when he played. No, nah, he's a good young talent, but he's not demanding to but get I mean, himself yeah, in. Like good young, good young talent. Well, I mean, really, like they just got pumped twenty-two-two by the Bulldogs. They got they're chock full of um, origin and international players. The, this is all on the players. Yeah. From my perspective, I, I think ninety percent of their accountability's got to fall with the players. Yep. You've got McGregor, yeah, who's there for uh, he's just signed a new two year deal. I think he deserves at least until the end of this year. If this sort of form keeps up, the season's gonna be over anyway. You've got no reason to really move McGregor on. You can do it at the end of the year. Let him go down. Let him go down with the ship. There's absolutely nothing to be gained by putting Dean Young in charge just to be interim to have someone else come in. I, I don't see a point in that. Mm. You've obviously seen enough in Paul McGregor to give him a two-year deal, so let him at least write this, try and write this out. Uh, he's got Flanagan there. He's got good players. Just They need to just be left alone and you know allow them to ride this out. No team goes through any season without a little hiccup, a little period of where they lose a couple of games in a row or lose their confidence and, you know, things go wrong and, you, you know, you lose against a side you probably shouldn't lose against. So, look, I know a lot of Dragons fans are just emotional and they don't like McGregor and they feel as though he's had long enough and I'll probably agree with all those sentiments, but I'm just thinking about is it the right time to do it now? No. The right, the right time to do it, if you're going to do it, was at the end of last season. Yeah, not re-sign him, which they did. Not re-sign him. So, look, we're going in another direction. Uh, and, and you know, with all due respect, you're a legend of the club, but we're not going to re-sign you. We're not sacking you, but we're not going to renew your deal, um, you know, and, and sort of part ways amicably. To move, move on him now, four games in, we've had the COVID-19 sort of interruption, which is no excuse. The two games prior to the suspension of the season, they should have won. Like they, they absolutely bombed those two games. Uh, and they, they just they just come back and that um, they look like they've just been sapped of confidence. As simple as that. They just look a team without confidence. That, that's how I would describe them when I watch them play. And when you're thinking about every little thing that you're doing on the field, you do things far slower. And that they, that's what they look like at the moment. They look very pre-planned, predictable, slow, uh, low energy, low enthusiasm. And, and that's how I would describe them at the moment. I think they're trying hard. I don't think there's anyone out there that's not trying hard. But they, they just look devout of, uh, devoid of confidence at the moment. And you, know, you, only, you only have to look at... How the, how the players were after the game, slumped on the field, hands on heads. Um, they've really just got to peel things back, I think. And, and the obvious thing to do here for Paul McGregor would be to overcoach. You know, I, I heard him on 360 when he was interviewed post-game say that, you know, he's going to stay up till 3am and watch video and cut all that up. Oh, I think the best thing you could do with that video from yesterday is throw it in the bin because you're going to get absolutely nothing out of the video, out of the, out of the Bulldogs game. Just, just move on and be productive. And I think emotionally he needs to get his team in the right space. So from a football perspective, I think that'll look after itself once they're in the right emotional space. Now, whether that's just laying off them this week and 
having them do some things socially and recreationally, which is difficult in this current climate as well, but just something to sort of bring the fun and excitement back and get their minds away from the way that they're playing. And hopefully, uh, you, you just, they've just got to grind out a win and get that winning feeling back and, and things will sort of roll from there. Yeah, I tend to agree. And again, I know everyone out there is a nuts fucker, but this, this, rah, 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 again, I just, I more took more out of yesterday about the playing group again and just regardless of who's coaching you, and there's been times in the past where we've said a coach has lost the group or they're doing the wrong thing or they've said something out there and we're not surprised about the players. I don't think there's anything like that there or anything untoward or anything major with the playing group. I just think, if anything, the bigger issue here is exactly that. Like There, there seems to either be a divide there or maybe some that aren't trying as hard as others or people have got the nose out of joint. I, I don't know. But I, I more look at the playing group as a whole more so than him and think Flanagan's already there. Whether he was in control or doing the job, he's not there. Like He's already got a huge part. Young shouldn't be thrown in the mix. There's no use bringing anyone else externally. You can't have Flanagan next year. That was not getting overturned. Valenis has clarified that. And given the financial constraints and all the situation, the only real option is to probably see out this year, unless you want to get into the murky waters of letting Young be the interim wink, no. wink, nudge, nudge. And we all know where that would be. That would be more so Flanagan. It should have happened either at the end of last year or the end of this year. Yeah. Now you're, in, now you're in there to write it out. Yeah. And if not, they have the old Trent Barrett clause, apparently, where if they don't like what they've seen, which is pretty much going to be the case unless there's a drastic turnaround, that in 2020 they will have... Oh, sorry, 2021 they will have a new coach and he'll be paid his last few months in a much smaller amount rather than doubling up with a payout and a new coach. Um... So I feel for all the Dragons fans, but again, more clarifying what I said last week, there's more people in this situation to be held to account, and in particular the players need to have a real fucking good hard look in the mirror. Millwood on some of those re-signing and some of the recruitment, it's not all McGregor. Um, and, yeah, th- there's more accountability in this situation than just the coach. There really is. Yeah. Tackle four, uh, speaking of that situation, more bringing up last week we, we spoke about coaches or who they're to place and moving forward forget this year next year whether it be this job any of the other jobs some of the candidates are out there i've got a few messages about it some people to run through uh first and foremost for that job the flanagan thing i've just clarified it's been brought up he won't be let off early from his band so that's not a possibility for next year whether it's there the other coaches that we already know about a lot of people are hoping that brad fitler would come back to Clubland again i don't know if he's got the personality or the time or the drive to want to do that. He said that he is keen to jump back at some point, but if he obviously does that, I don't know if that would happen right now or someone would be willing to take him on for that role, given he's got Origin TV and all his other commitments. Like, I think he'd rather do TV at the moment. Yeah. But yeah, I can see it later on. I can as well, but not right now. Some ones I want to write off straight away, and it's not without being too harsh, but people have mentioned John Cartwright. I don't think he's going to get another one of these jobs. Christian Wolf, who coached Tonga, who's now over in St. Helens. I don't think he's high up the pecking order to come back or be scoped. Steve Price has been at Warrington for a while. I don't think he'll be brought back. Neil Henry is another one of these guys that's had a few jobs. Good for sort of a knockdown rebuild or establishing culture. I don't think he would be in that situation. Um, there's some more assistance. Seraldo, who's at Penrith, again, looked at a couple of these jobs. I don't think he'd be considered. Dimmick, who's been looked at for a lot of jobs and passed over a few times. I'm not sure why. Um, there's Luke Burt, who was at the Titans. Dan Young, who's already there. I think he's way too early. Hornby, who was let go, who's now at South. 
Tuvi gets brought up time and time again, but I don't see him getting his way back into the door. Um, after going through a majority of the names there that I'd probably pass over for a lot of those jobs, unfortunately, it leaves me with a few contenders. Number one, a lot of people still bring up Anthony Griffin, like him or not, and I didn't wasn't a big fan of a lot of uh, bits and pieces at Penrith. He has a winning record. He's done well at the Broncos. He's done well at Penrith. He at least showed that he can take control of a side and win. Do I think he'd be the right fit for the Dragons we're looking to go? Probably not. He's not someone I'd really consider. Sean Wayne, the English coach who's now over here, got an Australian agent looking for a job. He was very, very successful at his time in Wigan. Uh, he's a hard man. This situation, again, is, is it the right situation? So he's looking for a job in the NRL? He's very interested in a job in the NRL. Well, he's just taken on the Great Britain English setup. Well, everything got cancelled because of the tour, so he's got an Australian agent and apparently he's interested. Okay. So there's one guy I think would be a contender or at least be considered. There's the obvious ones, and I bring them up again because they're all former players of the club, and this is the direction. Oh, look, I think Anthony Griffin would work at the Bulldogs. I think you're right on that too. Fit he's good at yeah, a steady build. He's good with kids. The, Bulldogs, yeah. um, the other names are the obvious ones that are always the linked. Dragons, I think the Dragons will go either with Bennett, someone they know, or they'll go with a Fitzgibbon yeah. or someone along those lines, someone within the organisation. Well, that's the tendency I was getting at. There's Barrett, who is a former player. There's yeah, Fitzgibbon, yeah. there's Brown. I think Brown's out because he's already been there once and if they're looking at that situation, they probably don't want to dip their toe back in. Uh, I don't think they'd go with Barrett. I think the Manly situation, rightly or wrongly, uh, to me, uh, whether they held up their end of the bargain, this, that, the end of the other, you're talking about facilities, players, all these bits and pieces. Des comes back in straight away, they go back into the final. So I don't know if that'll... Well, the, the incentive for a lot of assistants out there is if you, you help a team win a comp, essentially those assistant coaches then go yeah. on and get head coaching roles. That, that's how it works. So you want you want to hit your wagon to a team that's, uh, uh, you know, a successful one mm. or that's won a premiership. You've only got to look at um, Adam O'Brien, uh, you know, in the past you've seen Stephen Kearney and, you know... Seabold, Adam O'Brien, yeah, there's plenty of them. Yeah. Brad Arthur, yeah. Stephen Kearney being part of those staffs. Brad Arthur, there's a lot of guys that have been part of teams that have gone out and found jobs. Not so all I mean, successful. For Trent, for Trent Barrett and Cameron Serraldo, it's all about Penrith's success, really. I think... Uh, and, then, and then you think about the other guys you mentioned who are assistant coaches, John Cartwright. I'm not sure whether Cartwright would want to go and do their head coaching. And I, I could be wrong, but... No. People like Neil Henry we haven't heard much of. Assistant. I don't... I think the obvious ones, like you said, are more those former players. That seems to be the way the Dragons lean. Do I think that's right? Probably no, but the other one that was mentioned who's done a very, very good job down at Melbourne and you're talking about, again, Riles is linked with England and already got a job. He's already signed. Yeah, with Eddie Jones. But given this whole COVID situation, if that's to fall over, would he get a consideration? Oh, it, it, yeah, if, if it falls over, he'd so definitely be considered. This is what more led me back to for the Dragons. I think if you go in a new direction and they tend to lean towards their old boys... The two best apprenticeships here are probably Jason Rolls, who's been long-term at Melbourne now and highly regarded, or Craig Fitzgibbon, who did a little bit with Origin last year. Don't know as much about his role or how heavily involved he's been, but he's another old boy. So I think they're the but two... I mean, if we don't learn from history, we're destined to repeat it. Yeah. Like, the Dragons have had Barrett. They've had... Uh, sorry, not Barrett. Brown didn't work. You know, now they've had McGregor. Didn't work. Two ex-players. Mm. Didn't work. And that's why I'm getting at it. But it just seems so, that they lean that way. 
agree, but I don't think it's the way that they should go. No. And the other candidates who I haven't even mentioned yet, who if I think now more than ever are they really want to probably feel confident in his Fitzgibbon because he's had such a good apprenticeship yeah and there's not other things string to it like Flanagan being restricted for another year or yeah. Riles already having a deal the Wayne thing I think is left field and I don't know if they'd go that way and honestly from the bits I saw in England uh, just personality wise I don't know if he'll work out so much I'm not saying it doesn't work but I don't know if he'd work in that environment but the, the one other one I want to bring up and again for any job that pops up not just the Dragons one if there was ever a time for someone to take a crack at the Walker brothers with the rule changes that have been made, uh, it would be now. Yeah, I, I think the fat, the fad sort of worn off those boys. I, you know, rightly or wrongly. But yeah, going through just a bunch of those names, like we said, throwing a lot out there. But I think the next contenders, if we're being serious, at the top of the pile. If if anyone's going to well, be the other one, the other one you probably missed out on is Kevin Walters. Like he's he's trawling for any. Yeah, I had Kev here as well. I don't know. He seems to be in that Dimmick sort of situation where he's applied for a Tigers job. He's been at Brit. He just doesn't seem to be able to get that uh, that the job. Other name floating around there, uh, Todd Payton. He's applying for uh, a lot of. He's fallen off the radar, yeah, a bit, hasn't he? Rolls, he's kind of fallen off the radar. Is he still at New Zealand? Now? I don't even know where he ended up. I don't know if he's there anymore. That's what I mean. He's one of those guys that sort of popped up and then was quickly off the radar. Yeah. So, I mean, you, your main contenders moving forward, if you're going a your new coach, Riles, if he didn't go overseas and that fell over with COVID, Fitzgibbon's there, you know, those, those are probably two of them. Griffin's probably the best of the fired bunch that's at least shown somewhat. Walters, like you said, still looking for a chance. Wayne's now throwing his hat in the mix. But, yeah, there's a lot of other names that I just wrote down when I was thinking through there that I just don't think will be in the mix. I don't think 2v for whatever reason, Dimmick, some of these guys just seem to have been involved or linked to jobs and they don't. They just don't get a look in. But for the Dragon situation, you just get the feeling it's going to be another old boy. Yeah, right. That's me. Those are some candidates, depending on what happens moving forward for all those clubs, other bits and pieces. Uh, Broncos big talking point for everyone this week smashed again Uh, what do you make of the whole funeral I I will say one thing I I do find it a little coincidental again whether I agree or not they definitely shouldn't have got towed up by 59 they did run out basically a schoolboy side I don't buy the excuses or or especially as a coach pushing that narrative out in the media because you're giving excuses to your team but the old boy brigade just going to town again, given the fact he got the job over Kevy Walters and they all wanted Kevy Walters and they've got to be for like every time this seems to pop up. To me, I'm not defending Seabold in, in that sense, but it's getting old real fast for me. Look, I know Seabold and uh, he's forgot more about footy than Kevin Walters would know in terms of coaching. Technical, the technical, tactical side of it, um, he'd be all over Kevin Walters. So I've got no doubt about that. It doesn't surprise me that... Um, Seabold blew away all those interview candidates when he got the job because he's very well read, he's an intellect, he speaks very well, he's very good with technology. So he would have just hammered the interview, okay? So not surprised he got the job. Is he the best fit for the Broncos? Kevin Walters is probably a better fit for the Broncos, okay? Because he he gets along with all those ex-players. Ex, uh, he's one of the boys, you know, he'd get along with Paul White and it would all be very vanilla and, and good until the team tosses up a result like this. You can talk as much as you want about who the coach is, 
it, it doesn't matter who the coach is. When your team gets beat 59-0, irrespective of who runs out on the field, there's no excuse for that type of performance. And Anthony Seabold would be well aware of that. The, the issue I think he's got is that it's now twice in you know four or five games. That, that's yeah. a big issue. And it's their two biggest losses ever. Two biggest losses ever. That, that's not a good look. Okay, but he would have sold the Brisbane club a direction, a plan. I've got absolutely no doubt about that. He would have had a four or five year plan. This is what we're going to do. These are the things that you know could go wrong, etc., etc., etc. He's got a four or five year deal, a five five year deal with five a, plus a another year. Favor. So he's got time. They're not going to Brisbane are not going to pay him now. So all the chirping off field from you know Gordon Tallis and. Uh, you know, all, all the other blokes who have um, chirped and chirped and chirped and, uh, you know, were sniping at Seabold and sniping at the Broncos players. Realistically, Seabold and the playing group have got to just ignore the outside noise because it's not going to help them at all. You know, once they start winning, these guys are starting to pat them on the back. When they're losing now and they've got a chance to grind an axe and draw, grind an agenda, they will. Simple. So they, they need to get their head down bummer. Uh, I don't agree, I don't agree with how they avoided the media on on Thursday night. I think that was poor. They could have got ahead of it, could have owned it straight away, could have been accountable to the result straight away, and they would have poured some water on. I think the fallout from that result. There was always going to be severe fallout for a few days, but you know that you just you just got to wear that. Get ahead of it, own it, talk honestly, and move on. Uh, I think the fact that they, they had to have players talking up until last night, which is, you know, four days after the game, is a distraction leading into this week's game. So yeah. we'll see how they go against Manly this week. But all in all, look, I think Seabold has a plan. I think he's going about it the right way. You know, there's been a lot of talk this week about, you know, the experience that they've let go. Yeah, don't start me on that part again. Realistically, when I've heard all the players have let go, I sort of think, well, they're all the, probably the right decision. Mm, and my argument... Uh, and, you know, do you, do, you want, do you want experience? Because if you, if you want to keep your experience, and i.e. your experience at the moment is Darius Boyd and Anthony Milford, yeah. guys who are severely underperforming anyway. Two worst players. Be, be, be mediocre. Be happy being mediocre. Be yeah. happy falling into the eight, maybe into the top four, but you're never really going to win a premiership. That's where Brisbane were. Yeah. Seabold came in with a vision to back the younger players, to develop them. And I think the, the long-term game here is to not just win one premiership. Yeah, win multiple. But build them into a dynasty um, and have, you know, get back to the point where they're going to have nine, ten, double-digit origin players. Because, you know, if you went through their side and you thought, in two or three years' time, who will be playing origin? You know, there's four or five there off, straight off the top of your head that you could name that you'd, you'd say, yeah, they're going to be in the a origin A couple already team. have. Two or three years time, exactly. They've got injuries at the moment. They've got issues. Um, I think Seabold needs to move out of the space of trying to justify and yeah, defend young. his decisions and defend the results. Yeah. Irrespective of who runs out on the field, as I said at the start, you can't defend that result. No, you can't. You know, and in the last few years uh, coaching, well, I've, I've been on the end of a few of those results. And the plain and simple fact is is that the sooner you just own it and the sooner you're accountable to it and the sooner you flush it and the sooner you get on with your job which is to coach the team 
the better you're going to be. Because realistically, what I always ask myself is, could the team have been prepared any better? Yes, no, maybe. What did I get wrong? You know, and you work those things out and you get on with the job. Yeah. You don't justify anything to anyone unless it's your coaching staff, your players or people within your organisation who are seeing what's going on from day to day. Yeah. Otherwise, I don't, I don't owe an excuse or a response to anyone who hasn't been around and seen what's going on in the, in the week leading into that preparation. So I, I just encourage Seabold to block out the noise, you know, and, and, and Gordon's entitled to his opinion. He's obviously got his feelings, and but he, he's hitched up with the Gold Coast Titans anyway. So there's always going to be that, um, you know, fallout. I guess he fell out with Wayne Bennett. And there's a whole heap of things that go into, you know, why he's got... Um, an axe to grind a little bit about oh, yeah. the Broncos and probably rightfully so. That's and fine, Paul White and the club and just everything. It's I, I really don't think Anthony Seabold is the true recipient or the person who he really feels as though he needs to vent his anger towards. So I, I would just not buy into it. No, and I think I go back to the point, and I said this last year, the amount of times we got people for Brisbane, this, that and the other. Like, honestly, do you really miss James Roberts and the money he was on? Do you really want James Roberts there? You know, everyone was lauding that decision when he made it. He was terrible. Now, all of a sudden, when things are a little bit negative, they want to wheel it out. And make Cody, it yeah, but even the, the journos that did it at the time, like, saying, oh, the experience, experience counts for fuck all if you're not well, playing well. Enough, James Roberts just ended up in rehab. He's had his issues since moving clubs. The, yeah. the, you know, the issues that he has and, you know, the reasons why... He is a little bit of a, a risk in terms of um, payment and having him at your club. Is because he has some issues off field. Mm, all but these... the upside is is that he can be an absolute match winner when he's at his best. Mm. Things had fallen out at, at Brisbane, and it was a right right time to move him on. Yeah, especially that's nothing against James Roberts. No, but I'm just saying. But all... Also, I don't think anything to pedal and, and hold against Anthony Seabold. No, but that's what I'm getting at. All these players they bring up and go, oh, "That was experience," and this, that, and the other. It's like, well, half their form, their contract, and their status was not worthy of the position. Cody Nicarima. Yeah, is it the Warriors? No one else would have taken him to play the role he's playing right now. He'd be a bench utility like he didn't want to be. Jordan Carhu... Yeah, he's, he's not setting the, setting the world on fire at the Warriors. No, nah, Jordan Carhu, who got sent back to them because they can't get rid of that deal, wasn't good enough for the Cowboys to want to keep him. And he's probably not playing that good and he's injury prone. Andrew McCulloch was on a deal that he didn't give to him. It was given by Wayne Bennett, off an injury. And they've got a better hooker in Turpin. Would they have probably reconsidered if he wasn't injured a week earlier? I'm sure they would have. Absolutely. Sam Thide was too old, moved on. And then two of the other deals that are there that I don't like or two of the players that are letting them down are not leading the way, uh, two of the guys, again, he didn't sign. Anthony Milford just took an option, so he's clearly taking care of the piggy bank and not worried about his football. So they've stuck with him for another 12 months. And Darius Boyd, thank their lucky stars, has agreed to go a year earlier because he's certainly not up to playing there anymore. Yeah. So it's this plain and simple Things don't happen overnight when you go this direction. So for anyone that still can't figure that out, you need to bang your head on a desk. Do I agree like you said with the result? No. But I'll put it to this way. Do you want Katoni Staggs or do you want Jordan Kahu or James Roberts? I'd prefer Katoni Staggs. Do you want McCulloch and Kahu and these guys clogging things up or would you prefer to get in your Pengai Juniors, your Payne Haas's, uh, David Fafita, etc.? And there's more kids coming. Do I agree with the balance of the retention? And I heard Nathan Brown say that, and he's probably got a point that they're going very, very heavy middle. Uh, that's a possibility. They're overdoing that a little bit, and they might have to let one or two go. But of all the decisions they've made, I think there's only one player, literally, that could help that group right now, out of all the names that I've named, and that was Josh Maguire, who, again, 
They're play- saying that with Seabold. That move was done before Seabold got to the club. Yeah. So I don't agree with any of it. But again, the narrative is driven that way, which is the only thing I don't like because I'm not defending him. I don't know him like you do. I don't know him from a bar of soap. But if I was there, I would have done the exact same things to try and keep these players. I really would have. Yeah. Probably, probably the only one I don't agree with, and again, what Brown's point, if you're talking about balance, I definitely wouldn't have picked up Croft. And again, it sounds like I'm hating from the Melbourne perspective, but I don't think he's a good halfback. Uh, and of all those forwards, I probably wouldn't have paid Pangai Jr. what they paid. I probably would have kept that money. And even Corey Oates right now, I think you could find someone easily better than Corey Oates for form, money, and potential to get better balance in that squad. But it still wouldn't have helped me if I'm the coach with Milford having an option or Boyd being stuck there or McCulloch, who, again, I'm pretty sure, I think from what they said, he still has an option to come back. It's almost like a loan deal again. These are still hamstrings or bows that have been left by Wayne Bennett, who, again, walks away from a lot of these situations blameless. Like they're, they're heading in the right direction. Is, is it happening the right way? Is it going to be clean? No. But they're not fully separated from that situation, and the sooner they are, the better. If they get 800, 900 from Boyd early, excellent. That means you can keep Fafita. If they get the six, 700 back from McCulloch, great. They might be able to go find another couple of outside backs to help that younger group rather than having kids all over the field or a couple of better bench forwards and... Jamil Hopawato or Reese well, Kennedy. The only, way, the only way to make the kids inexperienced uh, is to give them experience. you got to do what Penrith did for those few years. And they they ro- play. they got to play. They're going to cop their licks. Uh, but and again, stay strong. I'm telling you, Brisbane, there's Stick more there. The Dearden, I still liked a lot more than Croft in those few games, and it wouldn't surprise well, me. Well, if the you... two for me this week out of that game were Boyd and Milford. They, they were they, terrible. They were disgusting. They were the awful. Was awful. To me, they're, they're the first two I'd make accountable. Yeah. And Milford in particular, if he's staying... Uh, bring Dearden straight in. If he's uh, staying and he's accountable for, you know, not just collecting a paycheck for another year because no one else is going to pay him the coin he got there, well, he needs to fucking do better. And, and I know the rest of the side struggled. The fact that he doesn't have any interest elsewhere. Hmm. It's an origin-level player who's played in a grand final. Again, we keep talking about potential, this, that, and the other. They paid him on that potential and he hasn't delivered. Yeah. So, for Brisbane fans, just hang in there. Like, this is a diamond in the rough that is loaded, but you can't expect it to happen overnight with so many kids in this transition period. Whether you like it or not, and everyone keeps saying, oh, well, Paul White and that, they go, we demand finals every year. Like, bullshit. Behind the scenes, I'm with you. As if they didn't sit down, look at what they had there, and think that this is probably going to take at least two seasons to build it up. And the first two rounds, we saw results. Uh, rule changes and injuries definitely haven't helped. I'm not making excuses. Yeah, they, and they made, they made the finals last year. I know they got spent, Yeah, but... they crept in. Amazing, eh? But get some of these blokes back on the field and let's see how the year plays out. Yeah. Let's not fucking throw well, the baby out. Let's the best team on the field and then judge it. Yeah, exactly. I don't think they would have... I still think they would have lost to the Roosters, but not by 59 with the players that they were missing, that's for sure. Yeah. Well, the Roosters were also missing Tedesco, so... Yeah. All right. Last I point. I don't, I don't agree with, you know, he's moved Corey Oates into the back row this week. I'd... No, I think that's... Again, just from the injuries and a bit of the cover and trying to patch up some holes there instead of just playing rookies everywhere. Like, Bullimore's played all the junior up stuff, but he's a middle who's played a little bit of edge. Like, playing NRL on the edge after three games is against the Roosters. It's not really an ideal situation. All right, move on. Last one I've got here for the set of six, uh, Newcastle Knights. Huge respect. Has to go to the group. 
uh, for buying into the new coach O'Brien and more so O'Brien because last year, to be honest, I thought they quit on Brown, rightly or wrongly. I thought it was a shit act. I uh, really questioned the character of some of the players in the group and if they'd buy into this new coach and what he could bring, but uh, he's proved that he's able to get that and more and he's getting more out of a couple of guys, which again proves that you're a really great coach than I expected him to. And then I'm still going to pay respect to Brown and McKinnon who came into that role and the recruitment they've done because they've left him with a hell of a roster, but he's maximising it. And Yeah, look, I think this only serves to prove that the decision to move Brown on was right. Mm-hmm. Like I said, I'm still going to pay respect, though, to the job that Simple he did that. Yeah, to lay some groundwork. And I agree with that. He deserves some credit for the roster they built, but he couldn't coach it like O'Brien's coaching it. And, you know, this is the reason why, in my opinion, he had to be moved on and, they needed someone to, with a fresh look on it, and um, O'Brien was certainly the man for the job, and he's he's doing a good job to this point. Yeah, um, you know he's had some players out as well. He's lost players for the season, and he's made some astute moves. And uh, I, I really rate them. I rated them coming into the year, and I really liked them on the weekend. Uh, I tipped them to be top four, but the challenge for Newcastle is going to be consistency. There's no doubt they can do it. But they've got to do it over a consistent period of time. So that, that's the challenge that lies ahead. We've seen good from them. You know, we've seen patches of good from them in previous seasons as well. Mm. It's about now making sure that they're consistent. And I think my point to this result as well is the overreaction last week when everyone said, oh, the Raiders beat Melbourne, Melbourne are terrible, Raiders are going to win the comp. Like, we're one week in. Yeah, I don't think anyone should be talking about who's going to win the comp. No, nah, but I'm just proving but the point again. Like, who cares? La- it's just last week... One of those- Dumb arguments. Like, you've yeah. got nothing else really to talk about. No, but I'm... Let's talk about the ins and outs of what's happening right now. Not, let, not about who's Let things play out. Absorb things a little bit. we got one game back, and Smith's now not the best hooker. Hodgson's the best hooker. George Williams is going to win the Dally M. It's the greatest defensive thing we've Mel, ever seen. Mel were terrible last week. Again, and again. Canberra weren't. Canberra, okay? No, Mel, Mel, Mel were good. much better this week, and, and they won. Like, that's my point. All, all the talk on Melbourne's gone cold. So. Melbourne were awful again. Look at the sample size as it plays out. Don't react off one week because right. a week later, now everyone's going, oh, you know, they were they were bad and it wasn't Newcastle. I'm like, well, last week the, the same credence wasn't given the other way, but give it a yeah. couple of weeks, let everyone adjust, let the coaches adjust, let the players get used to it and just simmer down. Don't make talk about this bloke's the Dally M and they're dead and they're gone and this is the best hooker now, like, there was way too much overreaction from one week of football, and that's not taken away from Newcastle, but this is proving that point again. Just four to six weeks, let things settle down and and, and play. Just let it go. But uh, real good signs, and again, the signing of Braley, even though he got injured just before he left, and getting Ponga and a couple of these kids that they've kept around, there's more you're not seeing. We're seeing Hoy now. We saw Randall. Uh, we're still yet to see much of Phoenix Crossland because of injury. They've got another good young half there, Nathaniel Sasagi. Gerard Momosia is another prop. Like, there is more there. So he's got a really, really good young group. Full credit to Brown and McKinnon for the job they've done, the players they've left, and now the polish that's been brought on, as you said, by a different coach who's done a great apprenticeship under two of the best coaches. And uh, fingers crossed we keep seeing positive things, especially for all the Knights fans that have suffered during this rebuild after the you know, pretty much destruction of their salary cap in the club for a period of time there. Yeah. All right. Jumping into reviews of the games from the weekend. The first one doesn't need a whole lot of review. Roosters 59-0 over the Broncos. Uh, again, I'm not making an excuse for it, but 
Stags, Pungai Jr., Fafida, Glenn, Turpin, Kahu, uh, Bird with his ACL. Are they young? Yes, by choice. Definitely not. Is that an excuse for the performance they dished up? Absolutely not. But uh, up against a quality outfit, you take out the best player in the world. But they're absolutely stacked. I don't care what you say. The break was the best thing for them. I'm not justifying the scoreline at all, but they were awesome. They were absolutely awesome. I haven't seen better ball movement and better tempo and style of play uh, probably in the last couple of years by any team. I know the rules have definitely changed something, but they made that look like a training run. Their forward pack was already brilliant in the previous set of rules. It's even better, or if not one of the most suited to this new set of rules. It's so multiple in the way it is. They're mobile, they're powerful, they're fast. You've got minutes, Tokiaho and Jared can play big minutes. They've both got footwork and offloads. Their back rowers are both good. Crichton suits these set of rules even better. Victor Radley's role now with his skill set has come to the fore even more. Um, you know, they let a guy like Tedavano or Napa go years previously. We've talked about it, building up these guys, whether it be Tupanu or Nat Butcher, Lindsay Collins now. And then they make an astute signing like Morris and then bring his brother in for looking for a bit of success at the back end to cover up for Billy Smith getting injured and Latrell Mitchell, they're just a quality outfit. Ryan Hall even coming in. He's barely getting games at the back end, but he'd start for a lot of teams, I reckon. Yeah, what is quality? Yeah. They've got quality across the park. Everywhere. So, and look, they it really blew out early when they just had an absolute glut of possession. Prison just kept turning the ball over, and it was yeah, the game was over. So you could almost just throw the last 60 minutes in the bin because it was just... It was bang bang. It was a first round knockout, and that was that was the end of it. That was all she wrote. So, and Brisbane have no one to blame but themselves. A lack of defensive integrity and a lack of respect for the footy. Yeah, and, and the Roosters made them pay. The catch pass and some of the ball movement from the Roosters was unbelievable. But it was like a training run because they just kept getting gifted possession, and they really didn't have to work for any points that they got. No, pulled into pieces. Especially like we said, roll in the middle. That young middle, they they blasted through all of them. The dual nine situation, the early tips, the push, the shifts, the long to short, short to long combinations. Um, that Radley link, like we said, is really helping transition, I guess, Flanagan into his role and helping out. And then they've still got that real dominant left side, and even without Tedesco, um, all across the park, stacked. And just, I guess, despite the fact they were bullied, I think the biggest point, like you said, that really disappointed me the Milford-Boyd defensive combination together on that edge. You're not going to stop everything when you're on the back foot and you've already been stripped of numbers, but just the effort, full stop, was dreadful. A veteran like Darius Boyd to not know, just running to fucking no man's land, not landing on the pass, not landing on a player, just not willing to make an effort. And then you've got Milford, who must be a mime because he didn't use his shoulders once. He used his hands. Yeah, we covered this before. They were terrible. Full respect. Yeah, full respect to all the Roosters. They were great. Um, sad night if you're Tessie New and Corey Pakes. Not a great debut, that's for sure. Yeah, you're playing for the kids. That's it. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. 
Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Uh, Panthers Warriors, 26 zip. A little bit flat, a little bit slow, in my opinion, but for the Panthers, uh, great result. 26 nil, get the job done. Uh, still some issues, still some things to be worked out in the spine. I said before a ball was kicked that I thought Burton Cleary was the hardest pairing and I'd prefer Luai to play as a one because I don't think Aikens or Edwards can supply that pass. Now you've got Crichton there and Nade not playing. I still think even better if it's not Luai that Crichton and Naden fit in as centre or fullback, uh, preferably Crichton. But I, I still think they've got some questions that need to be worked out. I still think their attack inside 20 needs to be solved. Nathan will definitely make a big difference there, but I honestly thought Burton over the two weeks was better than Luai. I really do. I think the forward pack. Yeah, well, Burton's been moved to the bench and Luai starting this week, so. Yeah. I, I just think it's a matter of time. Uh, if... I, don't, I don't know. I, I, don't, I really don't think we've had a big enough sample size. I can understand why they've gone with Luai because they've got that, him and Cleary have got that partnership, but yeah, I guess on form. Yeah, I don't know. Mm. It's a close one. I just really like the idea of a left foot, a right foot. Yeah, 100%. I I think he's just as strong a runner, if not stronger. He's such a big body. He's got a left foot kick. Uh, I really like Burton. So they've got some good headaches, I guess, moving forward because they've got options in all those positions. But I think the main point is I think the forward pack's good and they've got good depth in multiple positions, like Fisher-Harris is ex- just absolutely outstanding. Um, time out, it's a contract year, so you know, it's it's, an, it's obviously an, an opportune time to play well, but Kate well, kick out, it's a really good forward pack, Coruscant, but somewhere in the year they're going to need clarity on what their spine is. Yeah. They're going to have to make a call there. For the Warriors... It'll work itself out naturally. Someone will get injured or... Yeah. And they've still got May to come back into the picture as well, so... They're going to have some options there. For the Warriors, I think, again, massive high last week. They couldn't back it up. All the emotion, uh, a big come down in particular. Some of the guys that were very good last week, like a Katoa, he made three or four errors. Their back three were terrible. Pat Herbert had a shocker every night. There was some simple, simple errors. And, uh, yeah, like we talked about, just that emotional come down. They did have some late changes again. They are still struggling for some players. They lost two outside backs. That late inclusions of Hayes Perham who's been a junior fullback, learning 5'8", now playing in centres and Adam Pompey. It wasn't ideal, but uh, no excuses, I guess, really. Panthers, the better side on the day. Um, thought for the Warriors, Tohu Harris was really, really good again. Critical to have him back on the field, but for Penrith, Fisher-Harris, clear standout along with Burton. Coruscant, solid again, that forward pack. Capewell looks like a good buy. Um, if they work through their issues... Could be a good team if they can clean up the inconsistent patches we've seen in those previous games where they've led, fallen behind. You know, they've just got to clean up their 80 minutes. Yeah, they're clearly a top eight team. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was just a, a gimme of a game. The Warriors never really were in. No. Storm South, 22 to 8. Thought this game was very ugly, uh, in all honesty. Just. <laughs> Yeah. Friday was an ugly night. It Friday. was an ugly night. Melbourne, again, said it last week, the only bloke who looked like they adjusted or suited those rules or was just on another planet was Cameron Munster. And again, the other night, he was exceptional. This, even, I don't know, I'm not even just going to put down to the rules. Him in general, he looks full of confidence, fit, and just 
he had a field day. He had a really, really good game. Still a lack of cohesion. Jerome Hughes broke his hand, but if he didn't break his hand, I don't think he would have been playing halfback this week. Too many passes hit the ground, some poor options. Still at O'Carr, I know he had the rib injury, but between him and Suley, still very inconsistent. Pappenhausen, all effort around the ball, buzzing around, but still some improvement there. Uh, they were missing a couple of forwards. They debuted Chris Lewis, which is, you know, effort for persistence, full marks, 28 years old. He's had some injuries, been around. Branko Lee come in, did a pretty good job on that side of the field. But I think this week, I haven't seen the lineups yet, but definitely need to get Brandon Smith back on the bench for impact. Have either Welch or Nelson now. He's not suspended to come back in. Uh, I, I thought that move was maybe a patch-up, but, yeah. I didn't really like having him in the starting lineup, but Melbourne's got a lot to work on. It's still a bit too pre-planned, a bit too structured. They need to loosen up a little bit, and there's a few guys who are definitely aren't playing as well as they should. But for Souths, I still don't really know what to make, except, I, again, Murray should have been back in the middle. I definitely think that made a difference. Better play the balls, more opportunity for Cook to probe. They're certainly missing Cody Walker. Cody Walker will make a huge difference, I think, getting on the front foot, playing flat and fast under these rules. They need more out of their forward pack. I thought they actually got over Melbourne for part of that game the other night and looked the better side for the most part, but um, I still think they need a little bit more help. They couldn't really bank points. No. Reynolds hasn't exactly been great the first two weeks back. But Cody Walker definitely make a big difference. Latrell had a couple of class touches, but the same problem again for those few moments. We need to see more of him on the football, busier at the back, bigger impact on the game in general. Yeah, agreed. But, uh, I think Mago's been named two weeks in a row. Does he get a run this week? Is he healthy? I hope so. They definitely need him. Uh, I think Colin Matungi, who got a debut, he's been pushed out of the 21 possibly this week. I think he's someone they should persist with. Jaden Sewer, I think, starting to play some better football as well. Uh, I think he's a good player. Hopefully that sticks for him because they certainly need to settle a bit more on their back row and just their middle rotation. Once they get that right, get Cody Walker back in the side, uh, hopefully they can start stringing some results together. But Murray needs to stay in the middle. That experiment's over. That was Sewer's best game in grade. Yeah. I think he had a couple good ones at Brisbane, but maybe a lack of confidence after the fallout and the transition. I, I think he's starting to resemble more what was looking like a guy that was potentially pushing to be a future rep player. Agreed. So, I think both these teams uh, definitely need some work, that's for sure. You there, Boxhead? Yep. Sorry, mate, you just lost you for a sec. These teams both definitely need some work. Uh, for Melbourne, best players, again, Munster was absolutely exceptional. Thought Dale Finucane was good and some positive signs for you as a Titans fan. I thought Tino had a pretty good game, the big man. Well, again, yeah, that was his best game in grade as well. So there are a few guys that um, certainly uh, improved. Yep. I have to look at the lineups later, but I'm assuming Jax will probably be the halfback, but Cooper Johns, uh, whether he gets a look in, if this doesn't work out, I don't know. But something needs to give there in that, that half situation moving forward. Well, Hughes out for the, the three weeks. I think it's just gonna it's gonna give someone an opportunity, that's for sure. So mm. what what way they go. Yeah, I guess Bellamy would know better than than anyone and, and knows close within the organisation, but I 
you'd like to think they're going to have someone more suited to that position than Jerome Hughes. And look, I think Jerome Hughes has done an admirable job, but that's not his natural position. So they, they really need to find someone to put there if they're going to challenge for this competition because they, they can't win it with Hughes at six. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm pretty confident to say that after watching them play twice. Like Even the try they scored off the kick, like, the kick wasn't the right option. Nah, it just he threw a it worked out. Passes, it went over the sideline. A couple that hit the deck. Uh, yeah, he, he's just not a natural ball player. He's not a natural half. So nah, he's a runner. He's a fullback. I think he's going to strengthen the team elsewhere. So that they, yeah, they really, really need to work out who that second half is. And as soon as they do, they're going to improve significantly, Melbourne. But if they don't, they're in big trouble in terms of premiership aspirations. I think the safe option will probably be Jacks, but whether they think Cooper Johns brings more, I don't know. From the bits I saw of Cup, uh, yeah, he, he was okay. He was okay in that Cup side, but I think the more dominant figure in that Cup side was still Harry Grant, who we're seeing having a great impact at the Tigers right now. So, yeah, either or either. I think the one way we know the worst thing you can do is, is give him a run and have a look. Yeah. I think the way we know they usually will go is the better defensive player. I think the better defender easily of those two is Riley Jack. So yeah. I'm assuming he's, he's going to... He's got more first-grade experience as well. Yeah. Uh, familiar with the system, but yeah. Some good players there for Melbourne. Some improvement from South. Some more to come. Uh, I think Campbell Graham, again, mentioned him last week. He's definitely progressing. And a guy, I think, also moving forward is going to look like a rep player. Someone who, again, just can't play a good club game but kills Origin. Dan Gagai, he had a shocker. Wasn't his best game. No. All right. Plenty of improvement. Uh, good chance this week against a resurgent Titan side. And for Melbourne, huge test. Newcastle, straight away. Looking forward to that. Yeah. That, that's going to be massive, that game. Oh, yes. It was Manly, 1916. Uh, tight finish in the end. Two all early. The exchanges, fast, furious kind of game, back and forth. A bit like one of the old school games, but late in the half. Bit of Mike Acevo magic twice. Coming up with a bit of power, drawing pass and bit of an offload. He got Jenko over just colliding on that edge there, giving some absolute nightmares to, I think, Garrick and Suley. And then right on half, these scrum plays. I I like these set positions now in the scrums, and it looks like teams are putting a little bit more time in it with their positions and their setups. But uh, second time again, just Suley, Acevo, sorry, using his power, catching them standing flat, and busting through. Yeah, I, I think Parramatta were the better team for 50 minutes of this game. And, you know, Manly probably for 30. And I thought the result was fair based on, you know, what I saw for the majority of this match. But uh, it certainly lived up to the height. And yeah, it was a good Manly, game. Manly, you know, surged late and, and really made a game of it. Yeah. Second half, you kind of thought maybe it could get ugly when Evans crashed over. Yeah, first that's set. what I'm saying. Like, there, yeah, that's when... That's classic Parramatta. Game's over. We're good now. And yeah. they sort of stop playing and let teams back in. So, you know, and that's what Brad Arthur's talking about. They need to get that out of their game. Yeah. And that's going to be the difference between, you know, moving into that elite status of, of teams, which which they've certainly got the talent to do, but they need to have that 80-minute uh, discipline in order to be able to do it. Mm. I think for Manly, some errors from some guys there that definitely didn't help during that period. But as usual, they pulled themselves out of that rough patch. They bounced back. Um, Dylan Walker, regardless of what you think him as a bloke, I tell you what, he's really grown to that 5'8 role. He was great. Very dangerous. 
Um, just breaking tackles, taking on the line, challenging things. It's kind of freed up Cherry Evans to float. They still need, I guess, a little bit more out of Levi in some of these bigger games. It's it's areas like this in those bigger games where you really miss an Apisai Coruscant or Farnu, who obviously they've got suspended at the moment. It puts more pressure on those guys. I know Tom also is making some contributions from the back, but he come up with some errors as well. Uh, he has some of those weeks where he does that. But again, yes, it was decided at the end of that forward pass, but... Over the 80 minutes, I agree with you. I, I tend to think that Parramatta were probably the better side. They were. Definitely the, the these two side. are definitely going to meet again. There's no doubt about it. And they've be, definitely got some things to work on. Parramatta, their consistency. Manly, same deal. Getting off to the slow start, then fighting back. Um, yeah, there's some things that need to be ironed out. But I thought Moses was good. Sevo, obviously. you got your same old, same old. Gutherson's solid every week. Madison. I think Evans is definitely getting better, considering the height that was around him for a few years and not delivering for Manly. Dylan Walker, like I said, he's really grown into that role. He's very dangerous. Jake, good as always. Tafua come up with uh, a couple of good late tries there to keep him in the game. But, um, yeah, there's bits and pieces that can be worked on with both sides. And look forward to hopefully seeing them clash again later in the year because it was a really good game of football. Yeah, it was. Absolutely. Sharks, Cowboys, uh, back and forth, error-riddled. Yeah, I, I honestly... This was another game. It wasn't great quality to watch. The Cowboys... Oh, it was a hard game to watch. Really, really hard game to watch. Yeah, especially the second half. It just wouldn't end. But the Cowboys literally pulled the petrol on themselves and may as well have just lit the match as well. They let the Sharks do that for them, but... Yeah, they did. Every time they got themselves in the game, ahead of the game, back in the game, they just yeah. give to the Sharks another try, an opportunity to score. And the it was summary... It comical how often it happened. The summary of the night was the end there. They had a... Two, or oh, sorry, a three v one, and Valentine Holmes just throws an absolute scud missile, yeah. hits the center, it pops up. Johnson, who can barely run, picks it up, dawdles, and passes it off to Ramian, and they go a hundred meters to score at the other end when they should have been going in to score a try themselves. It, yeah, it's twelve point turnaround number right. match, but, but that's what they just couldn't help themselves. The Cowboys, they, everything they tried turned to poop. And again, I know no Tamalolo was huge and Hess didn't play either, so there's two power players and they lost Asiata and Dunn before the first half was out. But in all honesty, yeah, like you said, it's I think it would have been more frustrating for Green in that sense. We're missing players, we're trying and we're hanging in there. But there was just some absolute comical errors. There were some really, really poor decisions. Um, the Sharks also found a bit of love, usually more liking to play to that left side of the field with Wade and that played more to the right-hand side of the field. And they picked on O'Neill and Drinkwater and the smaller Hampton they got over him. Um, yeah, they, they found a bit of love. They weren't much better, in all honesty. There's definitely not being helped by, as we said, issues, injuries, late player changes. Moylan defending in the front line, I think he got picked out a few times. That's definitely not going to be a long-term thing. The sooner Chad Townsend's healthier, the better to get him back to one. And I think in turn, him at one helps Sean Johnson, who, surprise, surprise, it's only taken almost 18 months for some of the players and media to talk that he's not playing that well. said that from the moment that he got there, that he needed to live up to the price tag, and I couldn't justify it, and I thought it was a mistake by Shane Flanagan. In turn, it basically cost the club his son, Kyle, but I just think he's been ordinary. I'm not surprised the Warriors didn't pay him, and now that the Sharks have paid him, I don't think they've got anywhere near the value that they need out of him. And he's, again, one of these guys that on his day could be the best player in the competition, but he just doesn't deliver. Yeah. I so, agree. Surprise it's taken me that long for someone to mention that he hasn't been playing that well for the Sharks. Yeah, 
he hasn't played that well for a long time, in all honesty. So, uh, Holmes, not the exactly return home he would have been looking for. Ramian had a very good night. He was dangerous. Smully Taylor was the benefit of that as well. And as I said, that right-hand side had a pretty good night. Woods was busy. Uh, but overall, they've got plenty to improve on. I think for Fida, when he comes back, that'll definitely help. They're missing that presence and hopefully Townsend so they can get Moylan back to one and start to kind of work on that spine. For the Cowboys, it's obvious. If you put Tamalolo back in, they're a completely different side. Lots of confidence in that group. And uh, they'll have to wait and see what's going on with Hess, Dunn and Asiata. But one thing I will yeah, say, so, and you so. Sorry, mate. You've mentioned it. I've mentioned it. I think it's time for Granville to be out of the side. Robson, he's there for a reason. They've brought him up there. He's the way of the future, and I think they've got another good hooker in Cotter. If they're going to run with a two-man rotation, uh, I'd be going with Cotter now and, and Robson. Agreed. They look significantly better when Robson's on the field. Uh, Granville, yeah, he's, he's certainly been a valued contributor to that organisation, but I think the time is now to, to move and, uh, you know, it's admirable the loyalty that Paul Green's shown towards Granville, but Robson's clearly the more impactful player for the Cowboys. Yeah. So, see how they go this weekend. See if they get some troops back on. They've got the Warriors, so if they are missing a few troops, it's probably the team that you'd like to be playing, given their situation with injuries and troops as well. Uh, and on the other side of that, the Sharks, they have their clash up against the Dragons. And I tell you what, if the Dragons players can't find some passion this week, you'd be ultimately disappointed because these games are usually tightly contested and full of fire. Yeah. Uh, Newcastle, Canberra, 34 to 18. Can't give enough praise to Newcastle, in all honesty. I, I thought it'd be a close game. I didn't know if they'd get the result, but they exceeded my expectations, that's for sure. Uh, defensively. I thought they were outstanding. They've proven that point under O'Brien in those first two games, but I wasn't convinced on the opposition. But the last two weeks, uh, it stuck with them. They were good last week. They were good defensively again. They really, really ramped up in the middle. They got stuck into them. They pressured the halves. They got it whitened. Uh, Their kick pressure was good. And more importantly than that, their attack. Their attack was so slick. They really, really exposed Canberra's right-hand edge, their left-side attack. They really got George Williams and Curtis Scott frozen and making some poor decisions at times, in particular Curtis Scott. They really exposed him. Uh, it wasn't the best day. And then individually, he didn't have the best day matchup-wise with Bradman Best, the 18-year-old gun, who uh, had a bit of a field day. Very powerful. Scored a nice try. Him, Ponga, Pierce. Uh, that, that's looking like a really, really nice combination. And the beneficiary of that's going to be Edric Lee on the outside. But... Uh, there, there were some really, really good signs. Their forward pack, there's a lot to like about Clemmer and Safidi, and he's getting more out of Jacob, which is great, because if you get both the twins firing along with him, you bring Barnett back into the side. Uh, McCulloch slotted in and did his job. I, I think long-term, Braley's obviously going to be more creative and better, but that's a more than adequate and a great p- person to put in that position. And there's just a lot of positives to take out of that game. More particularly, again, just their attitude as a whole, their fight that we saw the week before and their defensive effort, as well as how yeah. good the attack was. And just their ability to be patient, disciplined for long periods of time. They kicked, chased, cycled, uh, defended well, were disciplined, took their opportunities when they presented themselves, built pressure, all those little things that you need to do. And they're, they're tough and resilient. Uh, I, I don't think any less of Canberra after this. No. 
you know, teams are going to have those weeks where they fall asleep and aren't at their best. And a lot of that credit needs to go for the perform to the performance of Newcastle. You know, we heaped praise on Canberra last week, but it's it's I think this week's the time to heap praise on Newcastle for putting Canberra for the majority of that game totally off their um, game and not able to compete for long periods of what Newcastle were dishing up. Mm. I think the only disappointment for O'Brien probably would have been they got out to twenty eight to six and they let a couple of tries in late. Mind you, Canberra got to throw the kitchen sink and put caution to the wind, come off a kick, uh, more so when Kotrick scored and the Papali ones just a, a freak solo effort. So it's not like they were, you know, really poor defensive reads or constru- well constructed tries. Like uh, there's a couple of lapses there and you'd expect that with some young kids in your team, but uh, overall, you know. They were the better side, 100%. They deserve their win. There's some real good signs there. If you can keep these kids up and keep getting the most out of the group, uh, there's only good things to come. Put Barnett back in. Grow a couple more of these young blokes. SESE, again, within that group of forwards I left out as well. Um, getting the most out of your veterans and your Garers and your Tim Glasby's, etc. And, and there's more to come. There's guys there that are barely even playing yet and are, are going to get more taste of football. It's a good overall squad. And, and the other thing is just competition for spots. We've seen Shibasaki play the first two games quite solidly, get pushed out for best, who looks outstanding. You've got Phoenix Crossland this week with Mann potentially being injured, who I think has been really good under O'Brien and getting the best out of him. And Tex Hoy, who can potentially play six. And the young Sasagi, Lino, uh, to get McCulloch to replace Braley to get Barnett back and the way their back rowers are playing right now and Fitzgibbon's not even playing yet. Like they're two starting back rowers basically aren't playing right now. Yeah. Like there's some really good choices. There's some real good young kids and then sprinkle in the class of Pierce and Ponger if they stay well together and McCulloch just blending into that system. Uh there is some really, really good signs if they can keep building on this. Yeah. Absolutely. Canberra. Just again, like I said before, it's just about consistency. Yeah, that's it. And we'll hopefully see that from these young kids moving forward and continued improvement for Canberra. They just need to shake it off. They had a bad start. They were rattled by a young, keen, enthusiastic style. Uh, you know, a couple of guys were a bit uncharacteristic, but, you know, as always, I'm, I'm sure we're not surprised. Papali was really good. Thought to Pine, Hallsberg, guys had a crack. Williams, not the best start. And again, after getting a heap of praise last week, I thought they got after him, especially defensively and got him and Curtis Scott on the back foot but he, uh, he set up a couple of tries late but plenty of room from improvement for Canberra uh, just like everybody else after this break and adjusting to the rules yeah so Titans Tigers Boxhead they did it 364 days they got a win in before it ticked over to a year yeah they did and it was um, a good win too good win they came back a few times which was uncharacteristic of the organisation traditionally but uh, yeah the Tigers certainly let them back in in a few scenarios there where they certainly shouldn't have and it's one that the Titans will feel pretty happy that they got away with but the Tigers are going to feel as though that's one that really got away and the Titans are a bit of a bogey side for the Tigers like I've been to a few games at Leichhardt where we've rolled them in important situations and um, I think, you know, we win more than we lose against the Tigers for some some weird reason. So regardless of where we both are on the, on the ladder. So, yeah, look, happy. But uh, it's still, you know, it, it's a good reward for those guys that are coming in and doing the right thing. But um, it's certainly not a, um, you know, 
season-defining win by any stretch. The, the Titans need to win more than one game and need to do it more consistently. Uh, you know, even within this game, they were consistent. I think they were just not lucky, but they ran into a side who was um, off their game and they, they took advantage to their credit. But, um, you know, this week's going to be a real test against South Sydney. I think the point more to take out of this, maybe not, like you said, season-defining, but more, I think, club-defining is for Holbrook to give those guys a chance, like your Pizzas, your Boyds, your Wallaces, etc., not deliver. So he benched them, and that didn't spark them, and this week he just dropped all three of them. Yeah, fantastic. I, was, that, I looked after the game, and those guys that you just mentioned were in polo shirts sort of singing the team song, and I thought, that's that's great. Mm. That's the best message that they could ever get. In that we, we don't need you to be successful. Yeah. So either ship, uh, shape up or ship out. Exactly. So for culture... Great message, good coaching. And yeah, that's probably the man I miss. Like, I'm really happy for Holbrook because I think he's he's the man for the job and he's doing a good job from what I can see. And again, if you've got guys that are keen and, and just willing to rip in, regardless of whether you think, like, is he a long-term first grader? Is he a, a bona fide guy who's going to play five, ten years? It doesn't matter because when you're it's trying to... When you are trying to break habit, you're trying to break culture and you're trying to prove a point that it's not going to be a free walk in the park, you do what he did. He dropped guys that have played rep football on big paychecks. He brought in Aaron Clark, who left the Warriors system and was unsighted for a couple of years, starting hooker a couple of games in. Jamin Jolie has battled away playing some cup and he's, he's been on the fringe, but he's got a crack there now. Tanner Boy, you know, playing out of position, but on the bench, doesn't care. He's young, he's talented, he's got the junior accolades, but clearly he's doing something right, so he's willing to give him a run instead of a Pete's. Um, you know, Hipgrave being back, Semi moving to fullback, Kelly and Cartwright, a few guys again that have been shook up in this setup, giving him a reprieve after dropping them from the side and, and holding him out or moving him out of position, like, and then just trusting youth, Fatu Acre, and these, these sort of guys. and looking to them. So if, if you're going to try, I could not give a fuck what the result is, but I will not send people out on the field that are not going to have a crack. And yeah. if there's one thing I saw this week in particular, without all those guys missing, I, I saw effort the whole way, regardless of how they were going, at what stage of the game. And and then your ultimate case of that, a Jamal Fogarty, a guy that was a Gold Coast junior who had to leave to get a game who got one game at Parra and got shipped out again, but went back to Cup and at Burley, he's won a couple of premierships and players of the years and he gets a crack again now. And I think all of that positivity and all that effort and that enthusiasm even sparked Ash Taylor, who had a poor start first 10 to 15 minutes and then finished the game on fire. Yeah. Like just, just effort and energy all around him and a good environment and effort. It seemed to have rubbed off onto a few of those guys that maybe weren't playing that well, but just having that there... Um, it made a difference. It really did. I would agree. Yeah. So, you know. so the Tigers, on the other hand, man, Benjamin Marshall's been dropped this week. Well, there you um, go. I was about to say, I, I know he's a ruthless man, and he's probably going to make changes. I won't. I haven't seen the lineup, so I won't expect you to say that. But we know Madge uh, he dropped a stack. He dropped Garner. Uh, he dropped Jennings. There Jennings is terrible. I, I can't think of all of them off the top of my head. I'll, I'll go through them when we end up doing our tips, but. Not surprised, and I think it was all summed up in his press conference. He didn't yell, shout, and scream, but he made it pretty blunt that he's sick of, you know, players and not being accountable for results and not being consistent. And basically, they they did what he wanted them to do for the first ten to fifteen minutes, which got them to a twelve nil lead, and then they just come in and out of games, and it's not good enough. 
And at the end of the day, he can scream, shout, talk and do all he wants to do, but it's going to have to be similar deal again like the Titans thing. It has to be driven by the players. They want to win. They want to change this thing. It happens on field. And he basically said as much, if they're not willing to do it, I'll make changes until I get the group that will do it. So uh, I can't blame him. But, yeah, red hot start, 12 zip, and then they blew that lead and you guys were back in. Then they jumped out to a a two-score lead again and then they blew it twice. So, um, yeah, I don't know if I agree with the Benji thing, but whether he's sending a message that, again, this is a guy that was probably man of the match in the first two games. But yesterday, maybe let in a soft try and wasn't at his best, even though I don't think he was that bad. I, I, I'm willing to drop anyone. I think the message was sent there. Yeah. One good game last week is not good enough if you don't play good this week. Um, there's one thing I will take out of this. I tell you what, I really like what I've seen of Harry Grant. Oh, absolutely, yeah. And uh, I don't want to get on a, a big rant here. I don't want to start something and prove we'll grab onto this. But I tell you what, if Smith does end up retiring... Uh, with the way the rules are going and the changes, and we can keep Brandon in his role now if he seems to love the club so much and be happy to play that way and have Harry moving forward, I'd be very happy as a Melbourne man. I'd I'd be very sad even if we did end up holding Smith for one more year and he did play exceptional and they somehow won a comp or were great and we lost Harry long-term. He's a very good player. Yeah, no argument. They're going to wind up in Melbourne. Mm. So, see how those changes, but yeah, great for the Titans, great for those young guys, and even again, one I'm just going to bring up without trying to sound biased, I think young Tonema Payne made a difference as well, just a guy bringing effort and energy, so there was a lot of good good signs there, Tigers, uh, Nofaluma, good bit of couple of errors, Jennings had an absolute shocker at the back, effort, effort discipline and consistency. That's exactly uh, right. Last game. Dogs, Dragons, 22-2. to uh, In all honesty, I thought the first 10, 15 minutes when the Dragons were rolling the middle, getting six again, punching holes into them, that things were looking good. was kind of hoping they got an early try to build some confidence. Uh, and once they took that two, my first worry was if they make an error or give them an opportunity not long after this, their confidence could be shot. And sure enough, I think it was Ravalawa drops a ball, the dogs get a couple of repeats and then it's just a simple crash over for Elliot and it was just all downhill from there. Yeah, it was. You're right. They had that period early of dominance and they didn't bank any points and they just wobbled after that and they never really recovered. No, and the same thing happened again and I don't want to keep laying the boot in, but once the, the starting rotation kind of went off and their bench came on, it just seemed to have got worse. Uh, they were on the back foot, they weren't rolling. The dogs, I must admit, though, the changes were smart. Like, let's be honest. Whether you like Copper Wade or, you know, things that have happened in the past, he's got lots of tools uh, in his kit bag. He's much more suited to fullback than Dallin. He can pass. He's a bit more deceptive. He's a good runner of the football. Dallin's best part of his game, which is why I disagreed with his argument when he left Penrith, he's not a fullback. He's a winger. The best part of his game is his carry, and he played outstanding on the wing, simplifying his role, just carrying hard. Uh, Hopper made a difference. He unlocked him at the back. And then Kieran Foran just unlocks everybody. Injured, hobbling, leaning, whatever he's doing, he just makes everything operate a lot smoother. They had direction. Lewis was free to do what he wanted. Everything looked a lot more smooth. He got gets them engaged in the line. He gets them pushed around the field. He, the shapes looked a lot better. Little tips between their four. Like, everything just looked better with Kieran Foran on the field and that small change at fullback. Got his work rate up through the roof, and they did. They looked a different team with 
uh, Kieran Foran out there and in his 300th game, got him a win and took that pressure off Dean Pay, I, I think, for a little while. Yep. And, uh, see how they go again this week. Hopefully, Foran can stay healthy long term. And I, I also liked him coming out and addressing. Obviously, he's had big money the last couple of years, and he knows that's not going to happen again. And he, he's keen to keep playing. So, hopefully, for the Bulldogs, if he does stay healthy and finish the year out, they can get a reasonable deal. And if they can't get somebody else on the market, keep one of these kids with him. Whether that be like an Avarillo, who I really like, or Lewis, or if they go out to the market. I don't know, but for the right price, if he's healthy, you'd be mad not to keep him around. Yeah, it's, oh, I think in a month or two you're going to start to see Just, the dogs making some big moves. Hopefully he stays healthy. I really do hope he does because every time you see him when he gets back out there, even when he's hindered, he's just he's a really good footballer, honestly. He's still very, very good. Um, Dragons, we went through a lot of it before. The players simply have to turn it around themselves. Like I said, Hunt looks like an absolute shadow of himself. Norman at the back, you know, was he any better than Dufty? I don't know. He's, he's got a better carry, he, but he only popped up on the sweeps. He wasn't exactly busy. Um, I think the only one real bloke that I thought had a lot of anger and looked like he was out there to do damage was Tarek Sims. He hammered a lot of blokes, and now he's got a broken wrist and he's going to be out for four to six weeks, so that doesn't help anymore either. But to hear these stories again, all the shit we've heard, let alone... Saab asking for a release and you've got Matt Dufty apparently linked to the Titans. I'm pretty sure he played 20s under Holbrook. He might be looking for a way out now. You know, there's lots of bits and pieces swirling around. It just doesn't stop for them. No. And, you know, the only thing that's going to stop it is a result. Mm. No doubt about that. Simple as that. So they've just got to, again, similar to what we said about Seabold. Yeah. And the Broncos just work to get a result. 100%. That wraps up the reviews of the games from the weekend. Jumping into our tips, Boxhead, you got six last weekend. We tipped two different, and you come up trumps on both of those. You had an inkling on the Knights. You were 100% right. Uh, and I can't remember what the other one we tipped different. What was it? Dogs, Dragons. Yeah, well, there you go. And that one was $1.90. The bookies didn't want to buy of it, but you were right. You stuck with a team that was showing more effort, and that was the right decision. <laughs> so. Yeah, it's not a stroke of genius. It was just... Yeah, that's sort of the method that I'm going with these days. Yep, well, score. You've now got a three-point buffer, 24, and I'm on 21. First game we've got this weekend is the Eagles versus the Broncos on Thursday night and getting the lineups up here for the Manly side. They are unchanged in their reserves, though. I do see that Jack Azuski is healthy and ready to come back. He was part of that bench rotation last year, so don't know what they'll do there. I think one thing that's kind of hindering them right now is they've got Croker there for that utility value with Levi. I think if they had a Manasi Fanu who played almost like a lock or an extra nine, they'd feel more comfortable. But right now, I think they're almost forcing that because Levi, they probably don't want on the field for 80 minutes, which is stopping them from probably playing an extra forward. Um, but on the flip of that, you've got the Broncos. Huge reshuffle. Corey Oates is now in the back row. Xavier Coates goes to the wing. Great young player. Hopefully he gets uh, into the clear again. Stags, he's back in the place of Arthur's. Lodge now starts. Off of Hengawi goes in the back row. Ben Teo straight onto the bench. Hopawade, Ethan Bullimore, uh, they're out of the side. It's completely different. You've got Coates on a wing. Stags back in the centres. The half stay the same. Pakes is having another game at nine. Oates and off of Hengawi with Carrigan. And the bench, Kennedy, Flegler, Teo, and Tessie New stays there. 
huge changes. This one for me is easy to tip the Bronc, uh, the Eagles. Sorry, but until they get a couple more of these players back in, I don't know if this reshuffle is the answer. But hopefully, there's a lot more effort. Yeah, I'm going to tip Manly, but I think this game will be a lot closer than what people are probably expecting. It'll be interesting to see how Manly bounce back after that disappointment, a little bit of off-field distraction and media attention around the, the Parramatta game and then also how the Broncos bounce back after um, you know their huge loss. So the other thing to consider is the Broncos with a seven-day turnaround, mainly only with a five-day turnaround. So that could also come into it. But, yeah, I'll lean Manly slightly. Yep, and the odds of that one, Manly are $1.20, the Broncos four fifty. the line is 12 and a half there. So a bit of a start there. First game Friday night, it is the Warriors up against the Cowboys at Central Coast for the Warriors. Lock on Burr, he's back in, he replaces Isaiah Papali'i in the starting pack. That's the only change, but they've got Hiku and Parsi in the reserves who are both potentially back this week for the Cowboys. Ben Hampton... Jake Granville, gone finally. So there you go. We brought that one up. Uh, and John Asiata, he was obviously injured. I don't know if the other two are injured like Asiata is, but Hamaso Tabuai Fido, the man we saw carve up in the nines, he's getting a debut on the wing. Reese Robson, rightfully starting at hooker. Cohen Hess is back from injury in the back row, pushing Cooper to the bench. And Ruben Cotter, there you go, gets his start. So they're going with that young duo. Extended bench. So I'm expecting a late inclusion most likely. Yeah. So, For that reason, I'll tip the Cowboys. If, if he was out, I'd almost lean the Warriors. Yeah, and I've gone the same reason. I like the fact they've literally gone that hooker duo we talked about. Hess is in, back from injury as well. Put Tamalolo on top of that to work with Maguire, who I think has been great under these new rules and uh, definitely leaning the way of the Cowboys. But if Tamalolo doesn't come back, Warriors certainly uh, are in there if they turn up with the right energy intent. But the odds for that one... Warriors are two seventy five outsiders, a dollar forty five for the Cowboys. Minus six and a half is the line there. It's the Friday night game at eight o'clock, absolute cracker. It's the Battle of the West. It's the Eels versus the Panthers. And for Parramatta, Nathan Brown returns from suspension at lock, pushing Murata near Corey to the bench. Ray Stone's named on the interchange with Takarengi and Oregon Kafusi dropping out. But again, uh, with those extended squads, they may make a late change, but basically back to their strongest lineup. For the Panthers, similar case. Nathan Cleary back after uh, the Panthers still didn't lose a game. Matt Burton moves under that bench spot, pushing Mitch Kenny out of the 17. Uh, and also a very strong-looking lineup. What do you reckon? you reckon Parramatta will get the edge in this one or will Cleary come back in and uh, lead the Panthers to a victory? Cleary's going to make a difference, but I'll lead Parramatta. Yeah. Uh, but I, this is the game of the round. Oh, I can't wait for this game. This this game and the Newcastle Storm game. Wow. Uh, I, you know, I'll tip Parramatta with no confidence. Uh, Panthers' victory certainly wouldn't surprise me. They're both stacked. They're both hungry. They're both undefeated. So bring it on. What a, what a belter of a game. Great time to have a battle of the West. I'm with you. It's at Bank West. I'm going to go the Eels slightly as well, but I just love the intrigue of having, you know, Wunga Blake, who they obviously purchased, Regan Campbell-Gillard, who they purchased yeah. well up against their old side, and you've got this loaded Penrith side now with so many good juniors who have come through their system again to replace those guys. Um, you've got Fish. You know, they've brought Capewell over. You've got Yo. You were seeing Burton. You've got Jerome and Nathan who have come through. Toto, Crichton, so many of their locals. So always good to see Parham Penrith when they're going strong. This will be a great game. 
And uh, the odds, let's see what they've got here. They've got Parramatta, $1.45. 275 for the Panthers. Five and a half yeah. is the start. I, I think this one might be an under six and a half job. So, interesting. It's, uh, looking forward to that one. Saturday kicks off. It's your mob against the Rabbitohs at Bankwest Stadium. Uh, as far as the changes for this one, James Roberts is back and Cody Walker. Braden Burns has been dropped. That surprises me. Uh, I thought they would have maybe reshuffled to keep Campbell Graham maybe on a wing, but he's been playing really good at centre. So he's stuck with Gagai and Johnson. I thought Gagai, honestly, the way he played, uh, I thought Burns was better. I, I probably would have reshuffled to keep Burns in, but uh, Walker back in certainly helps. Dargan drops out now, obviously. Mago's been named for the third week in a row, whether he plays or not, not sure. And Bailey Sheeran on the bench again as well. Nichols and Colin Matungi in the extended squad, but not sure if they'll get to play. Titans, no surprise. No changes to a winning side, and why would you? Yeah, good. Uh, I still think the Rabbitohs would be too good, especially with Walker back. And it's a game they just need to win. They can't afford to drop another one. No, and I'm with you on the same thing. I think Cody Walker makes a huge difference. They have to win. It's no knock on the Titans, uh, you know, but I think they'll struggle to back it up two weeks in a row, especially with so many of those young guys. But, yeah, South, two losses in a row. Only one win before that, one from four. Uh, it's it's time to to get a result. So, South and the bookies agree. A dollar twenty five for the bunnies, three ninety for the Titans. Eleven and a half is the line there in that game. The five thirty game. What an absolute cracker! Looking forward to this. Knights versus the Storm up there at Central Coast. And uh, for the Newcastle Knights, they are unchanged. They've got man named, but uh, they've got options there on standby. Obviously, you've got Tex Hoy in the 14 on the bench, but there's talk that Phoenix Crossland could get looking. He's been named in the 20. Have to wait and see what happens there. And Lachlan Fitzgibbon has been named in the 21 jersey, so a potential late inclusion. So I'm assuming if he comes in, either Matiadi or Guerra, more likely Guerra, probably goes back to the bench. And Brody Jones, the young guy who's played his first two games of first grade, would probably get pushed out in that circumstance. But... For Melbourne, there you go. They've gone the, the option of Riley Jacks, the better defender, to replace Jerome Hughes. Christian Welch is going to start with Jesse Bromwich with Brandon Smith going back to the bench with Nelson, a for Solomona, to give some more impact. And Chris Lewis has been pushed out of the side. Branko Lee holds his spot in the centres. I was pretty happy with how he played last week, Brock. I thought he was uh, very solid in that centre spot. Yeah, he was. So Momorowski still not getting a look in on this loan deal. Not sure what's going on there, but, uh, yeah, I think Branko, he's always had plenty of potential. He probably hasn't been at the best clubs or the best situations, but if anyone's going to get it out of him, he's probably in the best situation he's ever going to be in, that's for sure. But, yeah, I agree. Uh, the Knights have given me no reason not to tip him, and I'm going to tip Newcastle because Melbourne, in all honesty, have been pretty poo so far. Yeah, me too. So I hope Melbourne completely turn up this week and prove me wrong, but there's been no sign to say otherwise, so... Uh, in, in all honesty, if, if Melbourne play over the last two weeks, I think New, Newcastle could beat them 13 plus. Mm, but yeah, I'll be interested to see, but I'm, I'm going to go with what I've seen, and that's that Newcastle are better than Melbourne at this stage. Mm-hmm. And the odds, they're the outsiders, so good value there if you like the Knights. They're $2.30, $1.62 for the Melbourne Storm, and minus three and a half is the line. So, bit of value there for the punters if anyone agrees on that side of things. Tigers up against the Raiders at Campbelltown Stadium. A swag of changes, as you've mentioned. 
last week's loss has cost Robert Jennings, Benji Marshall, Luke Garner, Oliver Clark, and Billy Walters. They're all out of the side. Tommy Talao has been named on a wing. Josh Reynolds, after a topsy-turvy week, is at 5'8". Zane Musgrove straight in to start at prop. Chris Lawrence straight into the back row. Russell Packer and Cheekham onto the bench. And probably something we didn't mention before because there's no more information just of yet. But Joshy Reynolds, he can't catch a break, can he? No. First it was, you know, the whole situation of being moved. Then it was all the injuries. Then it was this crazy girlfriend and all the bits and pieces there and domestic abuse. And now... You know, the journos popped him like he'd been done for drugs. It turns out it was a false negative. He's claiming nothing's wrong and they're getting a, a second test in a lab. So we don't have a definitive result yet, but uh, it seemed like, again, that he was almost in trouble, but now we're not 100% sure. But uh, if he's found to be clear of it on this secondary test, he's having a hell of a rough time, poor old Josh. Yeah, you're not wrong. But uh, a swag of changes in this circumstance. Talao in, Josh Reynolds into the halves, New front rower, new back rower, and a couple of changes to the bench. The Raiders, no surprise, they've stuck solid uh, with the exact same lineup. Guys outside of that in the extended bench, can't see any of them coming into the side. Go the Raiders for the simple fact that the Tigers may have made those changes, but the Raiders are definitely going to want a bit of vengeance for the result, that what they dished up last week. Yeah, Raiders. Overall, they're a more quality side, and the bookies would agree. A dollar thirty-four. 325 for the Tigers, minus 8.5 the line. Roosters, Dogs. Dogs, no changes except Christian Crichton replaces Holland on an interchange for the Roosters. Tedesco comes back, pushes Hall out of the side. Morris goes back to the wing. Uh, Tokiaho's back starting with Jared in the front row. The back row is outstanding. The bench is great. And then they've got quality like Satili, Tupanua, Mitch Orbis, and Ryan Hall who can't even get into their side. So. No surprise in this one, Roosters. Roosters? Potential, uh, you know, chalk up a bit of a score again if they play their best football, but the Dogs never give anything away for free. But the Bookies, most lopsided line so far this year, a dollar ten for the Roosters, $7 for the Dogs, minus 16 and a half is the start. Yeah. Last I'm game. Not sure. yeah. yeah, I want to take the start. But... Mm. Pretty big. Last game of the round, the Desperate Dragons at Campbelltown to finish things off Sunday night up against their rivals, the Sharks. Uh, for the Dragons, Ewan Aitken replaces Braden Williamo, who's out injured with a calf injury. And Tarek Sims, as I said, uh, busted his wrist. So Tyrell Fuimano starts in the back row, and Matt Dufty comes onto the bench. Their extended bench, Jacob Host, Jackson Ford, Jason Saab, Corbin Sims. So not sure if they'll make any late changes, but... Yeah, something's got to give eventually. The injuries definitely don't help, but for the other side, the Sharks, they get a bit of a reprieve with some injuries. Chad Townsend, he's been cleared. That allows Moylan to come back in and play fullback. Will Kennedy moves out. Marwin Harotti is on the wing to replace Ronaldo Mulitalo, who's out injured. Andrew Fafita back for his first game since the break. Starts at prop, pushing Rudolph back to the bench, and Talakai is out of the side. This one, pretty simple. The Dragons have given me no reason to tip them. Uh, Sharks. Yeah. Agree. Um, as much as I'd like to see the, the Dragons get a win to ease some pressure and appease the fans, uh, I, I can't see it happening. No. Until uh, until proven otherwise. You, you, know that, you know they're going to eventually. They're not just going to keep losing. They're, they're too many good players, and that's just the way this league works. But... Um, yeah, I'm certainly not going to have my hard earned on them. No, nah, 
No doubt about that. Anything. Just keep seeing a lack of effort and confidence and. Um, yeah, it's, it just makes it really hard to tip it. Yeah, uh, and bookies again agree. $1. thirty-eight for the Sharks, $3 for the Dragons, minus 6.5 is the line. Um, yeah, uh, again, it'll turn at some point. I just more hope. 6.5 is a good line. Mm. But, I mean, but the Dragons are really, they haven't scored a try since. No, they haven't scored so. one for two weeks. So put it, I'll put it this way. And with those players coming back for Canola, I guess it gives them some more stability offensively. Yeah, better reshuffle for their spine. Um, yeah. And then getting in Andrew for feeder, if he's good to go, that's a big Provide plus. If he's, yeah, if he's fit. Yeah. So, there you go. Has, has he been named the start for feeder? Yeah, straight back into the start yeah, in front okay. row. Yeah, so he must be right to go. Yep. Uh, so, all our tips are exactly the same this week. One little bit of news to finish off. It was obviously mentioned over the weekend that crowds will be back this week at the game. I haven't really heard too much since. The only bits I have heard, I think it's only... It's be corporate, yeah, I think. Just corporates to start. Then they're aiming for mid-July, Volandis and the game and the commission to push to get up to 5,000 back. And then they're hoping by August to prove enough to the government and with the infection rates and everything heading the right way to get everyone back in. So, again... Well, I think we're down now to mid-400s, 450-odd active cases. Mm. So... Uh, you know, it spiked back up at late last week to about 500 active cases, but uh, seems to have gone down a little bit now. And, uh, I think they've got some concerns over how much community transmission happened during those the protests that we, we saw last week and that I guess we'll continue to see this week. So um, it'll be interesting to see whether we do get um, any spikes as a result. But... Um, yeah, the numbers are trending in the right direction and hopefully all those active cases just continue to plummet because New Zealand have now got duck egg. They've been cleared as COVID-free, so and I wonder gonna, how long it'll be before the Warriors can travel to and from. Well, on top of that for them, they're going to have their own domestic rugby comp because the Super Rugby's gone and they're talking same deal, that if it's all down, that they'll get crowds back pretty quickly, I guess. Well, why wouldn't they? If they've got so, no cases, they, can, they could have crowds this weekend if they wanted to. Fingers crossed. I'm trying to understand the hysteria around all this. You know, that the facts are, they're the numbers. Yeah. And the numbers are going down. Yeah, totally agree. Let's just keep them going down and hopefully we end up like New Zealand and we can just get back to normal. That'd be great. One last thing before we wrap up for the week, Boxhead. Uh, Do you have any of those games or any bets that you'd like to have this week? No, last week I had Newcastle with the start. Uh, look, I think they're good value again, Newcastle. Although, yeah, you just—I don't like putting any money against Melbourne Storm. Um, yeah, probably, probably Newcastle. Um, what were the other games? There's a lot of lopsided games this weekend. It feels like. Yeah, there? there's a lot, lot blowing out. There's a no real. What, what price for Parramatta? They were... $1.45. $1.45, yeah, even that's too short. Better if I think in that game are overs, over the odds. So, you know, I think that game's going to be close, so I'd probably lean taking Penrith with the points. Um, but, yeah, I think later in the week I'll make some decisions around bets. The, the one last, like, the Newcastle just jumped off the page to me last week against Canberra. Um, but, yeah, this week I don't have a really strong feeling on... On any any of those, the game 
names you mentioned, I really like um, I really like Cronulla now that you've said that all those changes have happened. Mm. So that's probably the way I'm leaning. But how I'll bet, I'm not, not too sure. It's, it's hard as well when you, you know, they name 21 at this time of the week and you don't really know who's going to start. Like there could be some ducks and drakes on game day. So nah. I, I like to bet as close to the game as I can unless I'm trying to grab good value. Um, so I'd suggest if you're going to bet Penrith, I'd, I'd bet now. Probably Newcastle as well, I'd bet now because I tend to think that the the smart money will come for those teams and they'll probably shorten. Mm. I agree with you there. No argument whatsoever. And to finish up, a big thank you goes to the Penrith Solace and our sponsor. Get on board, save some money for yourself, your back pocket, especially heading into the summer months and even during the winter months. We're still getting full benefit right now. Set the dishwasher and a few things to run during the day and get off scot-free, not adding to your bills, especially during this crunch time. There's none better than Jake and the crew there at Penrith Solar Centre. But if you want to tackle your rising power bills head on this season, do it with the help of Solar Energy. The team at Penrith Solar Centre are passionate about helping Western Sydney Sinbin rising bills for good. Find out how Penrith Solar Centre can help make you and your family the big winners this season with quality solar solutions for your home. <clears throat> My pardon. Uh... Visit www.penrithsolar.com.au or give them a buzz on 1800 20 As I said before, we've had plenty of uh, listeners get on board. We're on board. There's no one better than Jake and the crew at Penrith Solar, and I've said it before again, even people that have been referred out of area or aren't in Western Sydney or the mountain areas and even out of state, they've linked people to other suppliers and helped them out even when they don't have to. So you won't meet better people than the crew at Penrith Solar Centre. That wraps us up for another weekend box set, hopefully. Uh, third round after the resumption. We get a couple of crackers. Para Penrith, like you said, one I've got earmarked, and then Newcastle, Melbourne. Uh, hopefully the Tigers show a bit of fight against the Raiders and they can bounce back. Dragons, Sharks, hopefully a rivalry match that sparks I think, something. Um, I think Thursday might not be might be sneaky good as well. I, I hope so. We're going to bounce back pretty hard. Just on top of that, you don't want to keep watching Dad Gate. You don't want to see blowouts every Thursday to start no, off. No, so. no, exactly, exactly. I'm just, oh, really, I think you're going to get a reaction out of those um, the younger players this week. If yeah. they've got any pride in their performance, they should really bounce back hard. Well, only time will tell. But that wraps us up for another week. Stay safe, mate, and everybody out there. Same deal. Stay safe and enjoy your week and enjoy your rugby league. Bring it on, give us more, give us more. Where are you going? Where, what, 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 what's going on here? Is that it? Is that it? Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello HelloFresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 